And that was Agent of Chaos by the Sunken Valley Philharmonic, conducted by Scrappers Jr., the mayor's son. And you're listening to KZZZ, your home for the best on contemporary talk about classical music. Let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. What did you think of that last piece? Yeah, I was flipping around and came across your station. You were introducing the music. What an amazing piece of music, right? If you say so. You sound familiar. I can't put my finger on it. Were you the DJ on a different station? No. Ne- next caller, you're on the air. Yeah, hi. Did you used to be on Thunder 102? You're thinking of someone else. Let's take the next call. You're on the air. This is Cougar, right? From Morning Mustache Rodeo? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's you, Cougar. You guys were the best, man. I remember one time you were giving away Van Halen tickets to anyone who could drink enough Jack Daniels to fill Michael Anthony's base. <laughs> I didn't get the tickets, but still got the beer koozie you gave me and the hospital gown. The hospital gave me. Next caller. Hello, Cougar, it's me. Dr. Bruno? The one and only. How are you calling me? They arrested you after your failed suicide bombing attempt. I'm calling you from the prison phone. Listen, I heard a bit of you on this snooze music station. You have to quit. It's killing you. Look, man, I need the money. Good thing I had the perfect money-making idea, then. We'll start a podcast. On the internet? You got it. It'll just be me and you talking about dumb stuff we hate. My God. We'll make millions. I got the perfect name for it, too. The Ass God's Wedding Show, because we're the gods of crushing ass. And And we're welded together like two pieces of steel. Perfect. Plus, the name is so vague that people will see it and have to listen to it. I'll have to call in from prison, but that way I can do wacky characters. I love it. You know what? Fuck KZZZ. That's right. I said fuck on the air. Take this lame job and shove it up them guts. The cougar is back. Bro, Bro. (laughs) what's with the sounds? You jacking it? No, I'm actually getting shanked pretty hard right now by a member of the Aryan Brotherhood. Apparently, apparently this was their phone. Oh, shit. Uh, you alright, Dr. B? No, I'm probably gonna die. Yeah, so, never mind on that podcast idea. You should just probably keep your current job. Oh, um, yeah, uh, I don't know what to do. Hey folks, this is the Mascot Wedding Show, the Internet's Hour of Unspeakable Power. My name is David Hotta. My name is Mac Blake. This is episode 300, The Final Fate of... Everything That Goes Wrong. That is correct. <laughs> we are recording this one final time here in Austin, Texas at the Hodgecast Studios, a.k.a. the Hodge Pound. <laughs> we are, of course, Mac and David, your podcast lions. Ow! David Hotta. This is the very final mask going show. How are you doing? Uh, mixed emotions. Uh, <laughs> dizzying highs, crippling lows. And uh, re- the reasons for that, we will get into now. How are you doing, Mac Blake? Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing great. So, guys, what we have for you here is a treat somehow <laughs> super befitting of this show. <laughs> the reason why the mascot wedding show exists beyond David and myself is it's safe to say we drew inspiration from two people, uh, Tom Sharpling and John Worcester who are the comedy team behind uh, the elaborate character calls on a program called The Best Show. Mm -hmm. And we present to you now an audio interview with Mr. John Worcester that we just concluded 10 minutes before we're saying these words right now. And the reason why we concluded it is because... Whatever software we're using, like stop short. Yeah, uh, we we got a very good interview. It's it's maybe about twenty minutes long. Yeah, but it is an abrupt end, and we were unable to get. He was actually uh, very gracious with trying to reconnect. We just couldn't get it done. 
Uh, and so what you're going to hear is a is an incomplete interview. So here is David setting up that call, and let's listen to it. Recording. So you want to introduce this thing? Okay. Yeah. Um, gosh. I mean. Our, our guest really needs no introduction, but I guess we should do it anyway. Uh, he is a drummer for Super Chunk, for the Mountain Goats. Uh, he has drummed for Amy Mann, for Bob Mould. Uh, but fans of this show know him as one half of Sharpling and Worcester. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Worcester to the show. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. Where are you calling from? I'm in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where it's probably as hot as it is where you guys are. You Bullshit. guys are in Austin, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. How, Austin, Texas, yes, sir. How hot is it in uh, North Carolina right now? It's like 95. Oh, we could be. hot. That is pretty hot. But I think we've, right? been, um, we've been passing 100 pretty consistently mm-hmm. the last week Oof. or so, which is weird because not to lead off with some hot weather talk, but like we were getting uh, like a crazy amount of rain, and now that's not a drop in sight. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like the Old West, right? How so? <laughs> because that's where you guys are? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we're in frontier times. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you, the heat is not as bad as these damn banditos. <laughs> keep See? coming around. Aye, aye, aye. On delay. <laughs> so is, is Chapel Hill where you, is that your off-season home? It is. That's where I, I, I live. Um, I'm not here much, but um, when I do, when I don't have to be anywhere, this is where I am. In your house built of uh, rock documentaries? Exactly, yes. <laughs> I, I even bought, I, I bought and put together sh- uh, a new shelf for, for all my, uh, my, my rock docs. All right, full day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, well, first of all, this is extremely surreal yes. to hear your voice and then also have it uh, talking to us <laughs> right? instead of just <laughs> listening to it. This is a weird thing, but it's, it's funny when we were emailing back and forth to set up this interview because uh, I've had your email address for uh, nine years. Is that right? Because do you remember when you guys put out with those shirts that said uh, Newbridge is for lovers? Yes. Which, by the way, those shirts, it, uh, instead of like the uh, Virginia is for lovers has a heart, it has a picture, of course, of a muffler because yes. in the fictional town of Newbridge, there's a muffler rose a street. I had so many people stop me wanting to know what my shirt was about. <laughs> and they were like, did not know what that muffler was, and it was a really weird mix of people too. It was just it, like, it, guys, you it's didn't hard to explain. Talk. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that was the other part. Is they'd be like, hey man, what's your shirt? And be like, oh okay, so there's a fictional yeah. town in New Jersey, and they'd be like, what are you? I have so much track to lay. Yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's fiction? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> but I ordered that shirt back in 2006, and. You responded and you said, "Look, here's another one." And then you responded again and you go, "Sorry, I thought I was emailing Tom." And oh, yeah, we we couldn't believe we were getting orders. <laughs> <laughs> but I think somehow uh, Mac's name ended up in your address book. Yes, uh, as another Mac, you know. Oh, one time you emailed me about setting up your Letterman dates, and really, I, I was like, I emailed I emailed you back and I was like, I think you want a different Mac. But I, uh, I'll tell you this, I uh, obsessively save those emails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's super great uh, talking to you. We have some questions for you. Yes. So, but uh, you do these amazing calls with Tom Sharpling, and you've been doing those for, was it 14 years now? Uh, yeah, first one was uh, in 1997. Oh, okay. But we really started rolling on them, uh, gosh, probably 2000, I think. And you guys just came out with a box set this year, which, by the way, I feel like if my house is on fire, 
and I can only save certain things, I might mm-hmm. actually <laughs> grab that box set. Yeah. I don't. I would. I would. That thing is that packaging on that is amazing and it could also double as a lean-to when you need <laughs> temporary housing yeah that shelter could, yeah it, it could and you know there's fun things to remind you of the life you had before your life right. was ashes which by the way congratulations on the box set yeah, that yeah. really is an impressive feat uh i was wondering if you could Thank walk you. if you could walk us through the process of uh how that came about and just how taxing that was for you over the past year of putting that together um i I think the idea came from Numero Group. I think it was their idea. And um That's kind of feel good that somebody reached out yeah. and wanted to put this out. Yeah, it was great. And uh so, you know, once we said yes and we wanted to do it and uh a guy named Michael Slaybach uh came in and he, he really helped kinda right? kinda shepherd it and um we just start, you know, thinking of ideas. What could go in it? What the tchotchkes could be about, you know, that we'd have this map of Newbridge, and all the while we're we're thinking the really hard part is going to be picking the tracks and and putting all that together because you know it's like 13 years of calls and we tried to do something every week if possible. You know, I, I was touring that entire time, uh, so sometimes calls would be way more elaborate than others and so luckily all this stuff still existed mainly on dat tapes though that's what that's what a lot of the 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 source material is uh tom would run a dat tape every night Mm -hmm. so and i'm sorry to cut mm -hmm. you up uh but to give some perspective to the listeners uh when you say 13 years i mean each show was every tuesday night three hours long so you're talking about over 1,500 hours of stuff to go through. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a real mountain to even, you know, pull up next to. Mm-hmm. A- and uh, luckily we have this guy who's been, been kind of the archivist for the show, um, a guy named Omar. Mm-hmm. And um, we just went to him and said... What are the calls we should be thinking of? We said, can you think of like a hundred that we should consider? And you know, Tom and I have—we do these calls every week, so we don't think about them after we do them. You know, they're kind of done, and then it's on to the next idea. So we never really looked back on any of the calls except for those five times that we put out. You know, kind of these best of CDs. Every couple of years, starting I think 2001, we we'd put out a double CD that would be the best of the previous two years, and that's kind of the only time we ever really listened to the calls. So we really didn't know what was the good stuff, other than you know we liked certain characters and we knew certain characters worked and they were fun to write, but we didn't know really what connected with people, other than random people coming up to us on the street sometimes and saying, I like this call, or I, I, I'm into this, or that sort of thing. So Omar was really crucial in in putting together a spreadsheet of, of what of what we should be considering for these these calls. And uh, we knew what characters we wanted. We knew we wanted Darren Ploppleton represented, and, and a lot of Philly Boy Roy, and Zachary Brimstead, and Things like that, but we wanted things that maybe we'd forgotten about that were that were funny, that were were one-time calls. Uh, a lot of the characters are, you know, 
never really appeared again. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to have those represented too. So that was just a really hard time picking all that stuff. And every every we couldn't have done this if the show was still going. The um, we stopped doing the show on WFMU in December of thirteen, and the, we started rolling on picking the the tracks for the box set. I think in in May of of fourteen, and that took until you know the process for put, for getting all that stuff ready went from May of fourteen until I think it was early November. Oh wow. So we couldn't have done any of that if we were still doing the show. Sure. You know, we just w- wouldn't have time to, to do it all. So um, every day, for, it seemed like for a couple months, was open up the email. Rob has sent five more things to consider, you know, five more full tr- tracks to, re- uh, uh, to consider. And they were all at least 20 minutes long. So our days were just spent going through these these things and just – Judging whether or not we thought they were good, and by by that point, you don't even know if they're funny anymore. You know, right. you're just yeah. you're just tr- you're just trying to listen to the stuff with with some kind of detachment, like it's not you, and you end up hating hating your voice. <laughs> yeah, you I was going to ask that. Is it easy? Was it ever easy to listen to your voice? No, no, <laughs> I, I still never listen to the stuff. I, okay. I still don't. I edit our podcast, uh, and from. I, I've gotten over it, but at first it just was like a cruel, yeah. depressing trick. Like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. This is what's going out to people? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you realize, like, I'm my worst critic, and I think everyone who creates anything is their worst critic, and I just have to realize that chances are nobody is judging this with the iron gavel that I'm <laughs> I'm judging this with, right. you know? But, you know, if somebody else, like if, if uh, a musical group, because I'm a dad. If you're a musical group, no. <laughs> Came out with a six CD set. You'd be like, well, that's their career and then some. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I heard it was going to be that big, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be a big chunk of it. But then after you know, I finished it, it was awesome. And you were just like, wow, that was just like the tip of that iceberg. Yeah. And, like, and, and you to, guys did so much. To clarify something, it was 16 CDs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And, and with the USB, I mean, it ends up being something over like 25 hours of content. Yeah, I think there's f- at least four extra hours on the on the USB. <laughs> and those were things we wanted to include that just were too long to even be on a on a single CD yeah. like the <laughs> the May uh, the oratorial debate and and things like that. These very very elaborate things that we did, but we wanted them included. So that was the perfect uh, the perfect vessel for that for that stuff. So speaking of the May gubernatorial debate. Which was a there was a it was a long running gag where uh, when you'd call in his various characters at the end of the call or in the middle of it you'd that character would announce his candidacy for the mayor of Newbridge, and so when it came for the, came time for the mayoral debate you played like what like sixteen ten to sixteen characters I think it was yeah and uh, <laughs> all doing the different voices and I think there's a couple times you mixed up but the fact that it was only <laughs> once or twice was amazing. Yeah. Oh yes, there 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 were a couple of times I think I opened my mouth to be whoever Philly Boy Roy and Zachary Brimstead came out. Yeah, and, was uh, that hard switching uh, gears? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily, we had that was really scripted out, mm-hmm. a- a- and so I, I I probably had like a different 
highlighter pen for each voice, so it was a little easier to know what was coming, you know, what what character was coming. But I still I still got got confused and messed up a few. How did the uh, how did the May gubernatorial debate come about? I mean, was that was that a mutual idea, or did Tom come to you and say, "Hey, I want you to do the heaviest lifting you've ever done in your life"? No. No, it would have been both of us. Otherwise, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it did turn out to be this Herculean thing. But, sure. but uh, I think it, it – I assume it was during the the walk-up to the whatever election that would have been. Yeah. The, the 08 election, election, right? right. Yeah, yes. I feel like it was. Yeah, but I – I think we we came up with the idea at least a year before it. Oh wow! And so that's why all these different people would slowly throw their their hat into the ring, you know, over the course of that year. And I remember doing my acceptance speech as Roy the night Obama was elected, <laughs> and I was. I was touring with the Mountain Goats, and we had a night off, and I, I did it behind a, uh, behind, I think it was like a TGIF, <laughs> out by the dumpster there. I remember crouching down behind a dumpster and, and calling in to accept my, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you, my I'm, win. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I've always wondered, because you have been on the road uh, with your, you know, with either with the Mountain Goats or Super Chunk for uh, the duration of this time. I've mm-hmm. always wondered... Do you find a landline? Do you, are you in a hotel room? Like, so thank you for letting me know you were just behind the TGI Friday. Has anyone ever come up to you while you were doing a character and just sort of giving you the hairy eyeball? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, you know, you'll be in an alley where you think no one is, is near. Like, there, there's no one around. And then some guy just appears and just is walking by and you're, you're doing this crazy voice and... You just can't acknowledge it really because then it screws with the energy of the call. So you, it's there is a lot of that. Like where where I'll be doing a call from some parking lot or something, and you know you look up and someone's just watching you. Like, like what in the hell is that? What is going on there? Um, so, but you know, it makes it even funnier. Sure. I think. Uh, along those lines, um, I was wondering this because I know uh, Tom. Every once in a while, we'll talk about his encounters with, let's call them mutants, uh, with, mm-hmm. you know, fans of the best show and he'll have awkward encounters. Have you ever had any sort of uh, uncomfortable or just unusual encounters with fans of, of Sharpling and Worcester? Um, no, they're always really nice because, because of what it is. I think, I think you really have to be a fan to, and really be into it to even, even approach us at this point. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like no one knows who we are. I I I I just, I just think no one knows who we are really. So I'm always excited when someone comes up and says, "Oh, I like this." You know, like uh, I was in Portland. I think this is in in the book uh, uh, that accompanies the the box set. I was doing a video with Bob Mould uh, a year or two ago, and and this woman comes up and goes, "I love Brock Puke." <laughs> and I no, I didn't know what she was talking about. And it turned out it was this character that we did that that a lot of people it turned out liked and because of this conversation it it ended up in the in the box set so sometimes great things like that will come out of these interactions 
that's that's interesting that you say that because I've always uh, I've always equated the best show with like a secret handshake where right. if I meet someone who is also a fan of the best show, we're instantly there's an instant rapport there. Sure. And and I think that's a really neat thing that you've that you've built and that you know that's a that's a nice legacy to have. Um, yeah. It's it's almost like when when I was a kid, you would go to the mall, and I I lived you know in in the farmlands of Pennsylvania, and I would get to go to the 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 mall about half an hour away once a week and look for records, and you'd see a kid that was like that had like a pin, like a a plasmatics pin or something, and that was oh they're in that club too, you know, just like you you mentioned where it's it's such a a kind of a selective thing you know that that uh it, it's fun to it's fun to meet someone who's who's into it mm-hmm. also yeah david and, and rare david gave me uh i think he loaned me an album uh back in 04 yes mm-hmm. and he's like check this out this you'll you will like this and <clears throat> it's funny because you know back then it's uh i feel like nobody i would talk to knew who the Best or knew what the best show was, right. and then right. watching it grow has been uh, amazing and also surreal because it is like it, it's always this very personal thing. Because I know that you know uh, on the show Tom will talk about there's listening parties or that kind of thing, but it was always something yeah. I would listen to by myself, sometimes while like drawing or doing something else, mm-hmm. and uh, to <laughs> be like, oh, we're gonna be on late night with Seth Meyers, like what? How did this happen? This is <laughs> yeah. great, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Because um, in the early days of the internet, like, if I was looking around for a... I think there was a picture of you on the Stereo Laugh site uh, with David Lee Roth. <laughs> and I yeah. think there was, like, one picture of Tom, and it was, mm-hmm. like, obscured like he was Bigfoot or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that. And so then it was, like, for the longest time, I, like, barely even knew, like, what you guys looked like. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. <laughs> then watching uh, specifically Tom talk on... Seth Meyers, like that was the longest I've ever watched him talk, and it was like, oh, this is weird me out. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this right now. When people approach you, and like you can maybe that you get that like instant hint of recognition, like this guy is definitely walking towards me, not because you know he wants to know if I need help on a target. He wants to right. talk to me. Do you? Yeah, th- that happens. But 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 then there'll be times like I I was in I was in Sydney. Uh. Sydney, Gosh, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> Sydney, Australia. About oh. uh, God, it would have been t- t- 2013, I think. And I was sitting there having like an ice cream cone, just kind of sitting on the su- on on a bench. And this guy walks by in a best show shirt, <laughs> and, I, and, and I yelled at him, "Hey!" <laughs> <laughs> so it goes both ways. Wow, that's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Do you know instantly though, like when someone gives you that look, can you tell like? Oh, this is a rock fan, or this is a best show fan. It's hard to tell anymore. It really is, and that's that's what's what's nice. You know, it, it's uh, I think people that would like the Mountain Goats and Super Trunk also like the best show at this point. So it's it's really, you know, it it kind of uh, crosses a lot of uh, barriers and things like that. Whereas whereas you know early on, I I could always tell that it was it was a best show fan or a rock fan. Mm-hmm. What was uh what were some of the differences if you can remember? Um early on just you know just there was just a look. I can't really explain it. It was just <laughs> you just knew. <laughs> Sweaty maybe. <laughs> Weird energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Basketball shorts, maybe. Yeah. Whether, yeah I, well, yes, of course. <laughs> whether I, I didn't want to say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. You, we're, we're among friends here. All right. And again, I feel like it's something you may have covered. Do you and Tom ever IM or message each other while on calls? We used to. We, we don't really anymore. Now, the, you know, it, it's down to such a science at this point where I'll just IM and just say, can I call in 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. And that's it. But but in the past, yeah, I'm I'm sure we would have we would have I am'd about like if I forgot something or he forgot something or I was I prompted him to say to ask something that kind of thing. But that that, that doesn't really happen anymore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, like you said you have it down to a science, but um, but listening uh, hearing you and Tom talk about it, uh, mm-hmm. you script it out or you you'll you'll plot out the beats, but you'll also leave room. To maybe try to get each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like last night we did a call um, where I was this uh, singer for a band called Blue Savage, who was in the context of this call and this suspension of disbelief. He, he was he was a incredibly popular singer in the in the eighties. And but over the course of the call, I said the word panties i think at least three or four times and and that's a a, a hot button word for oh you bet it is you know well i think for everybody at this point so that was a thing and, and uh yeah do, we know what words drive each other nuts there was a... and things and people and concepts and bands we both you know hate and uh <laughs> you know, the, those often come up and they 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 steer the conversation in crazy directions. And then that's all we got from that interview, guys. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we had to abruptly let go, which, and I know this is weird, but in real time, where we are right now, is talking at this moment, that happened about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, and it's still very fresh. Like, we're still stinging from it a little bit because us getting John Worcester to call in was a huge deal. Yeah. And we'd like to thank. Uh, two people for making that happen, Andrew Rosas mm-hmm. and... Amy Lombardi. Yes. And <laughs> to get him on the show, we then have to cut the interview short because yeah. the program we're using glitched out yeah. is like... Let's just, let's just unpack this. Oh, I mean, like, It's so cruel, David. It's so cruel. Because I want to say this. I'm very, like, tense right now. No, uh, that's a weird thing. Because that, su- that was such a fun interview. He was such a very nice guy. Uh, but then for it to just go, like, I'm trying to keep... A very, uh, I'm trying to keep a sense of humor about it because, like, like you said, this is very befitting of the mascot wedding show. Like, to have something that you really want, and then it's kind of like it doesn't quite work out the way you want it to. Yeah, which I mean, it's, man, I don't know. Yeah, we've we've whiffed so hard on guests over the years. <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, we were this close to getting Mulaney in studio, John mm-hmm. Mulaney, a couple times. Pat Oswalt, we were close on him. I don't know if we were. Oh, yeah, one time. Yeah. Yeah. He came with us coming for a book tour. We were going to have to go to him. Yes. Um, but Which we, we absolutely would have. Yeah, we totally would have. Yeah. And we, we did not get it. Yeah, we should transition from that into what this is, which is the last show that we're doing. This is the final mascot winning show. And uh, I just, you know, we, we had two really fun shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Kirk Johnson on as the, the prince. And then we had that audio adventure. Yeah. And then we had our live show, and now we just interviewed John Worcester. So I think uh, let's just—I just wanted to talk to you, David. Yeah, yeah. Let's for, let's, for the final. Yeah, we 20, should twenty-five minutes or so. Oh, is there is there beer here? <laughs> should we do this? You know, I thought about getting a fine whisker. Oh yeah. But we are recording this uh, in early August, mm-hmm. 
And as I am recording this, you were leaving town the next day. I am I am twelve hours away from from leaving and uh, driving off to uh, San Francisco as as my eventual destination. Yeah. yeah, this is your your final day here in Austin and mm-hmm. uh, the final show, befitting in that regard. What do you think about this thing, dude? Uh, this old mascot wedding show. Man, I, I uh, oh oh here I'll I'll say this. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay a little bit of a, a, a track please a track first. Um, I've been, uh, like I said, the, today is my last day in town. I've been in town for 17 years and I've been packing and running errands and getting everything uh, ready to go. And a couple hours ago was my first, uh, moment to like sit down and rest. And like I took a shower and just kind of, you know, got ready for this interview. Uh, and that was the first moment that it all hit me and I got very emotional. And so now sitting here, I'm getting very emotional. Oh, <laughs> this sucks, dude. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean like. I mean, this is going to be, Austin's going to be so hard to leave, and so is the mascot wedding show, uh, because this was fun. This was whatever we wanted it to be. Yeah, that's true. And to do that for eight years, uh, to not have to really answer to anybody. I mean, we answered to some low lives at at, at our former iteration. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, this was an awesome thing. I I was thinking about it uh, earlier today just in terms of the scope of the mascot wedding show and you know um a, a girlfriend of mine who I who I dated for for many years um she her introduction to me was this show mm-hmm. i mean she went back and listened to i guess it was 5 years had been had accumulated at the time uh and this was her way to get to know me and that's a very surreal thing uh to have you know 5 years you know or now it's 8 years of our lives out there um, for for anyone to listen to and to, you know, to listen to uh, our development from from two people who are blatantly ripping off Sharper and Worcester uh, to become this thing that is just, that's just ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very neat thing. It is a neat thing. It's interesting, too, because when we started this show, uh, you gave me, it's funny because tying back into the worst interview, it maybe is a good thing mm-hmm. that it ended there because I definitely planned on dropping a big M-bomb on him, a big maudlin bomb, <laughs> where I was going to tell him what the best show uh, in, in his contribution to that show mm-hmm. uh, meant to me. I did a radio show in college. I did it with a friend of the show, uh, Dave Humans, and mm-hmm. another person named uh, Diane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was a thing where I remember when I found out that you could do a college radio show. Right. I was like, wait, they have a radio station that I could be on? I The summer I went up for orientation, I stopped by the radio station mm. to put my name in the hat because I was like that excited about it. But I didn't know what I was doing. I feel like that happens a lot in life where what I want to do, there is no set way to do it. And maybe that's anything creative. Right. That college radio show was terrible. And I think it was something where it was like... Uh, I've heard people talk about this before in sort of creative pursuits where people are really unhappy with their work at first because they have good taste. Mm-hmm. Like you hear good stuff and you know that's good and you're like, why isn't my stuff this good? I hate it. Right. And so I think I like I know what I wanted it to be, but I just could not be it. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what to do. And then I met you later in a job and you gave me the first Sharpling and Worcester album. I remember listening to this, and I started listening to the best show. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is everything I wanted to do, mm-hmm. except better." And then, like a million times, like a million things I wouldn't have thought of. Right. And so we heard there was a, uh, we found out there was a community radio station in town, and you and I wanted to get a show on it. And we started that in around two thousand 
six, seven, was about the same time we started making short films with friends. Yeah. And so Mascot Wedding was this name we used for the radio show, for our our, our film team, mm-hmm. for all these various little projects. And it definitely, because I'd been doing like little things before, like I had a, I had a web comic and a comic strip, but it was always me on my own. Right. And I remember I'd have friends that would be like, let's film something, let's do something, and it would always fall apart. Didn't you and I, weren't we like talking about making a, uh, a website at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was like write reviews. Which oh, I'm sorry we denied the world <laughs> our opinions on CDs. Yeah, um, but like mascot wedding was like the first thing that stuck, and doing the radio show was was so much fun. And because yeah, it just was for us. Mm. We were obsessed with Sharpling and Worcester, and so we were doing comedy in that kind of style. These long form calls, where I feel like now, I mean, if you listen to like some of our character bits. It definitely, like, you know, we're not trying to hide our influence. Though. Right, yeah. But it does feel like our take on it, mm-hmm. at least. And not just, like, us, you know. Aping like, yeah, doing catchphrases and stuff. a super poor version. Well, that was the problem with that best show is because those catchphrases had worked their way into our lives. Yeah, yeah. You just talk like that. Like, it becomes a part of your personal lexicon. It's hard to keep that out of a thing that you're trying not to copy. You yeah, know? I think the most embarrassing thing now is I go ye a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like Philly Boy Roy giving a, a short yes to mm-hmm. something. Yeah, uh, whenever I think something, is, whenever I'm agreeing with someone, I'll say cool Goldenberg, which is a very obscure reference to Goldenberg Peanut Shoes, which is a thing that Philly Boy Roy references. I also say Jeepers yeah. a lot, which I forget that that's not a thing people <laughs> say. And somebody would talk to me and I go, Jeepers, Creepers. And they'll be like, wait, what? Yeah. Are you a 90-year-old man? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, and, and that's one of the things that we wanted to like it was very important to us to get uh, Worcester on the show um, because that show came along at a time when I wasn't doing anything. Like, you know, I graduated from college with a degree in film. I had a what some might call a nervous breakdown my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. I swore off anything creative. I just did not want to do it. Uh, and then I heard Sharpling and Worcester. And then I introduced them uh, to you. And then we, you and I uh, gravitated toward that. And that's where... Mascot Wedding was born, and then I was doing creative stuff again. Mm-hmm. And from Mascot Wedding came uh, Stag Comedy. And uh, from the radio show, we, we got to know John Erler, and we ended up doing Master Pancake. And and through Master Pancake, we met the people you know who ended up doing Stag, and we did the hustle show. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the coaching tree. Like It yeah. started this whole thing. No, Mascot Wedding was, our, was that first domino. And then also, in a way, like the best show and listening to that, introduced me to Pat Oswald. Yeah. Which I'd already known him, but I wasn't necessarily, like, he'd just be like, oh, he's a guy I see in Comedy Central on occasion. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the Aspen Comedy Festival. You know, it's like he's a dude yelling on TV. But I remember Tom played a clip of his first album and it just annihilated me. Yeah. And that was a huge influence on me wanting to do stand-up. And so, I mean, it's this process of, like, starting our radio show and the influences on that radio show, Just it was just one big domino that kept knocking over for me and it, it's it's interesting too because obviously this is a podcast we're not on the radio anymore mm-hmm, right because we forgot to i we fucked bro- up we, guys <laughs> i think it was me but we broke the letter of the law but 100 percent not the spirit of yeah. it and for that these adult nerds at that station had no mercy towards us. have we ever told that story on the air should we just tell it well what what's the story really i mean because uh what you know, the only real requirement that co-op had was keep doing your volunteer hours. Yeah. And what they wanted was three, uh, like three hours a month or something, or four hours a month. Uh, and they would uh, they would evaluate you 
during, oh, I'm already telling the story and it's so boring. Basically, they look at it through a three-month window and you just have to keep up a certain number of hours. I did a lot of hours before the three-month window, but then I just kind of got busy and forgot to do hours. And so then it was like, oh, that was all for nothing. And then the show got taken away. See, I, I that might have been the first or second time. Because I think the time the show got taken away was I didn't have enough hours. That was the first time, oh, yes. Okay, but then... That's then, the thing I had. So they were looking at January, February, March, or something mm-hmm. like that. In April, you and I had done a shit ton of hours. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Right. Because we didn't do it in the right slot. And they obviously, there's people at the station that did not like us. Yeah. They didn't care for what we were doing or they just didn't care for us personally. There were people in the station that, like, because we were in between music shows. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, and I don't think there's a lot of people there that were super nice with us. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. A lot of very, very nice people. Liam Manners mm-hmm. was great. The station manager there, Kim. Kim McCarson. Yeah. Was right. was great. Uh, DJ Harris, Jay Robillard, Melinda Robillard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people could not have been more supportive of us, but then there's people you could tell just like super sick of us. Yeah. And at the little meeting where the, we got voted out. <laughs> <laughs> While we stood there, yeah. Yeah. I just remember like the the people voting us out, like not making eye contact with us. Yeah. And honestly, like at that point, we were so like, I don't know, we made it real easy on them to boot us out mm. in that we weren't like, come on, guys, listen to your hearts. We were just like, oh, this is what you want. Fine. I think yeah. you're making a mistake, but fine. Mm. And they just like would not make eye contact. It just felt like, I don't know, real dirty yeah. in, in a way. And, and it's, it's one of those things. I mean, we could talk about it now because enough time has passed. We're like, I, I hold no ill will. Like it actually ended up being a very good thing that happened for us because yeah. it allowed us to seek further autonomy. And we've been doing this. We've been doing the this as a podcast for the past two and a half years, something like that. And man, these two and a half years have been great. Like we've really hit our stride. I think. You know, when David told me he was leaving, and because at some point we the show was uh it was getting a little stagnant. And mm. I mean, I, you if you're a listener, long time listener of the show, there's only like two of you. Uh, but, but, but thank you, yes. uh, Casey. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Hung. Uh, and also uh, Misty. Uh, yes, but. Um, You'll notice that the show is updated infrequently. And part of that is because, you know, if we're our own bosses on this, it's easy if other projects come along to push this one mm-hmm. aside. But uh, so we're like, well, table, let's get to episode 300 and then see where it's at. And then when David told me he was moving, it did was like saying, like, well, let's. Once David told me he was moving, it was a thing where it's like, well, if we're going to end this in the show, let's end it strong. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the show definitely has felt rejuvenated these last 20 or so episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've definitely been putting more work into the writing of it. Uh, it's going into it, and it's I've, you know, and it's like, oh, man, and I kind of forgot how fun this show can be. And every every episode we've done has been a real blast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it's a great thing. It, it is. Let me ask you this, David. So when we started the show, we got like a Best of Austin Mention 2009, I believe. Yeah. yeah, in the Austin Chronicle, which is our village voice, yes, if you will, and our, our free alternative weekly. And that was mainly through the effort of uh, Audra Schroeder, yes, who uh, was a great fan of this show and a great friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate it, but it was like, man, we got a best of Austin, like we're on a high profile, we're riding high. And but this show never really took off in any way, no, it never did. There's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, part of it is like. This show's called The Mascot Wedding Show, and it's about two guys who are not famous right. at all talking about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah, it's which, scattershot. Like, it's not focused like, you know, oh, we have a podcast where we just talk about Gilmore Girls episodes or something like that. Yeah, it's not sellable. We mm-hmm. don't have a, a log line. Yeah. 
to the show. There's not like a concept mm-hmm. uh, to the show. And, you know, we've tried to supplement that by trying to get uh, bigger guests from the comedy world. And, uh, and then that doesn't really, it didn't really pan out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, but did, did that ever, how do you feel about that? The fact that this thing never took off? It, I've, I've made my peace with it. Uh, it's, it's funny um, because, you know, we've been doing this for eight years. Yeah. And even as recently as like days ago, I'll talk to someone who is in the comedy community, or I'll talk to a friend of mine, and they'll they'll be hearing this information for the first time. Like, oh, you have a show? What what is it? What is it about? It's like, really? Like, I thought we did okay with letting people know, but I guess we just we didn't. It just wasn't the kind of thing that was on people's radars. Yeah, and for some reason, it wasn't a thing that people. A lot of guests we'd have them on, and then after we'd publish the episode, you know, we tag them on Facebook or mm-hmm. on Twitter. And they would not care to share the show. Yeah. <laughs> which always was a little disappointing. Where I remember another comedian in town who I like a lot started a show and he called it Austin's Only Comedy Podcast. And mm-hmm. I was like, We've been doing the show for five fucking years. What's going on? <laughs> I definitely and I just it was it was a weird thing. Yeah. But I mean, but like I said, I've made my peace with it because, you know, it's like uh it's like that D Boone line where, you know, punk is whatever we made it to be, mm-hmm. you know, D Boone from the Minutemen. And I feel like that's what the show was. The show is whatever we made it to be. And if it didn't click with people or if they if they checked in and checked out i was totally fine with that yeah it, it's something that as long as we were making it for ourselves it was always a success mm-hmm. like we we were setting ourselves up to succeed in that the act of making it was fun right exactly you know it's not something like this show doesn't cost a lot to make no uh well except for your time you've busted your ass on this thing for eight years well yeah <laughs> so. but that's 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 fun in of itself honestly making the little sound effect things was kind of fun mm-hmm. um but you know I- exactly but it, it's something where i kind of feel it about this show not catching momentum it's like watching a it's like you're rooting for a sports team and not to talk about uh using a sports uh, metaphor for my emotions like i'm a weird crippled dad <laughs> emotionally crippled dad but it's like watching a regular season loss in basketball uh-huh you're like mm, oh well yeah tomorrow's another day yeah exactly like mm, i wish that would have gone better but what are you gonna do mm-hmm. you know like we'd have a really killer episode and then like i'd look at our hits on the website it's like nothing yeah and you'd be like eh, well, what are you gonna do <laughs> you know like it's it, it, it's it's for us but it's it's funny too because i remember when i started out doing creative stuff i always had this belief that if you do good work, people will find it, mm-hmm. which is not true. Yeah. Because there's so much work out there Yeah, that maybe the right people will find it, but it'd be nice if the right people was more than like 10 people mm-hmm. sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that's that's the good thing about just you know leaving this up and, and having this out there is that it'll still be accessible, you know, because hey, you still have a career ahead of you. I, I still have a life ahead of me. You know, mm-hmm. Who knows what's going to happen to us? And then people might discover the show and then enjoy it on their own terms. And that's a neat thing for me. I, I, I appreciate the, the potential for, for this show to, you know, to reach out there. Yeah, and I'm glad that we got to end it on, like we set a goal, like we'll end it with 300, mm-hmm. and we hit it. It definitely feels like you know, going on our own terms. Whereas at, at co-op, our co-op ending was just like, this is your last show. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I remember that we didn't know if the show was going to continue. And so that felt like a definite, like, all right, let's thank everyone that we need to thank mm-hmm. and say our, you know, our give our last rights on ourselves. Whereas this definitely is like, oh, OK, well, let's, uh, you know, just let's wrap it up. Yeah. But. Oh, I was gonna yeah. Say I, oh, okay. oh, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, there was definitely more of like a, a sense of mortality at the end of the co-op run. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like, 
uh, you know, it, it's bittersweet, and, and I'm definitely affected by it. But I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm 100 percent okay with wrapping it up how we did. Except mm. it would have been nice to get more time on that. <laughs> Worst circle, <laughs> fucking shit. God, <laughs> damn it. And oh. the wor- the worst part was I because I called him uh, like I I talked to John Worcester I I called his number on my own personal phone and apologized and and thanked him for the interview. Yeah, you can text him a pic of some food you ate. Maybe I will. Yeah, maybe I'll drink a Yingling. Yeah, check it out. Uh, J Dub. But uh, but he he was very nice and, and you could hear it in the so interview. Nice. Uh, and he was even like, hey, well you know maybe some other time we can we can get this to work. And I was like, I'm leaving. In the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he barely knows the, who he's talking to. Like, yeah. That it'd be weird to be like, so John, this is the mascot wedding show, and this is our last step up. You don't care. We're picking up where we left off. I hope you remember. But before we even started recording, I don't know. It's weird. You could tell instantly how nice of a guy he was. Yeah, he he was just uh, he was a shot in the arm. I mean, he just he carried himself in a way like he was jovial from the time we picked up the phone. Yeah, it, it's funny. There's guests we found on the show where it's like this is pulling some fucking teeth. Yeah, and then there's people like uh, Josh Gondelman. Or Brian Gar, not mm. Brian. Brian Gar was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but specifically Brian Gutman. Even though honestly, yes. that Brian, yeah, throw Brian Gar in there because I afterward I was like, man, there's like 90 more things I could have talked about yeah. with Brian Gar. And that was literally the first time like I had in, that uh, Gar and I had been introduced to each other. Yeah, and yeah, he w- he was fun and engaging for an hour, and like that's those are the episodes where you're like, oh fuck yeah, this is what this could be. Yeah, I mean like uh, I'm, I'm motor mouthing now. But uh, the last time we had Gondelman on, oh my god, that was so much fun. Yeah, he was a, he was a bolt of lightning. He came in here, yeah, and it, like the hour flew by, and that was a really neat thing. Uh, the first time we had Beth Stelling on, mm-hmm. I felt like that too, and I, I know we've had her on twice. The second time, uh, <laughs> they're a little brunch logie. I had worn out my Beth Stelling. I was like, Beth, let's go out to lunch. Beth, come on my podcast. Like <laughs> Beth, let's go to coffee. I just was like so happy to be hanging out with her. I feel like I. Yeah, I cashed in too many Stelling chips. Sure, in a way. But it's 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 funny that you mentioned her name and Josh Gondelman. Like yeah. you know, you look back at the show and you look at where some of our guests are now. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, uh, Beth Stelling's getting ready, to, or she's already done her when Comedy she Central was half on hour. the show. She wasn't even she hadn't even done Conan yet. Yeah, and she yeah she just did a uh, South by thing mm-hmm. uh, for Showtime. She's been on Kimmel and Conan, which, of course, is 100% due to the show. <laughs> of course. Please, please don't think we were not going to say that. No, the MW um, bump, of course. Everyone knows no, this. But yeah, that's amazing. Like, a part of Nonchurla was on this show. Mm-hmm. She blew up. Where yeah. it's something where it's like, oh, man, if you had her on now, maybe. But then, you know, those those are there. Yeah, but the but we had we had her on when we had her on, and that's that's our moment. You know, that's the time we had her. But because the show was what it was, I... I always feel like we were almost like getting away with something. Yeah. Like we had Simon Pegg on. Yeah. Simon fucking Pegg. And I was like, he doesn't know that nobody listens to the show. <laughs> I one time got the editor in chief of Marvel Comics. That's right. To do a 30 minute interview with me. And I was like, if he knew the amount of small beans <laughs> that this show is, he would not, he would not be talking on the phone with me right yeah. now. He was just like, because he was like giving it the full book. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, it's funny because we talked about. This crossover, mm-hmm. which on paper seemed like a, I don't know why I thought it was going to be good. It was like the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> uh, what if he still listens to the show, Mac? I think he has to know that it's Avengers versus X Men. Oh, why did I think that'd be good? It sounds good. If you're a kid, that sounds awesome. Did somebody good write it? I feel like a bunch of good people were involved. It just didn't work out. Because mm-hmm. I feel like at the time it was a good idea. Because it's like let's give them something the movies can't. Because of the rights issues, X Men can't meet Avengers. But let's we'll just do that in a comic. Yeah. 
And I was like, all right. But then, I don't know. It's this weird comic book style fighting where a bunch of people like punch each other and then leave. Mm. It's like, what's the point of that? Well, because there's they don't want they don't want too high of stakes. They don't want to like off anybody. I mean, they'll off like a minor character or something. But then it's just like, look, if we can just keep them throwing punches for twelve issues, that's twelve issues we're selling. Yeah, it's like twelve issues of like people punching and then like running away. Like nothing gets resolved. It's like, are you trying to kill that guy? It's like, no, we just want to hit for a bit and then leave. <laughs> Comics are dumb, but yeah. I love them. It's like an elementary school fight where you're just yeah. like, I don't, I don't want to hurt the guy, but I do oh, want to. Oh, man, listen to this derailment on comic books. This is exactly the kind of thing that kept us from getting a consistent fan base, David. I also feel on co-op, K-O-P, whenever we would talk about sports, mm-hmm. I could feel the co-op listeners just clicking off those Oh, miles. they hated it. They definitely they crawled back it. into their yurts and just turned it off. You know, one of the neatest things that ever happened, we were at nomad and we were just talking to each other and this person sitting next to us was like hey uh are you guys on the radio we're like what yeah and she's like no i listen to your show i just recognize your voices mm. and that person was uh lauren green who was in the band um mirror travel uh follow that bird right originally and then now they changed their names to mirror travel mm. and they ended up doing the theme song to the show and i don't know that was just it's a fun little thing that connections you yeah, you make on the show, and I, I don't know. I wish the show was more successful, but honestly, it, it checked every box I needed it to check. Yeah, it, it'll it'll always remain a mystery to me. Why? And and that sounds arrogant, and I don't mean it to be. But like, if you do something for for so long, at the quality that I think we were doing it, something's got to give at some point. But the fact that it didn't give. I'll 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 never know. I'll, I'll just never know. I don't know. Yeah, because I feel like we're in position to get our stuff in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, through the various gigs we do around town, uh, here in Austin, or you know, whatever we do online. I feel like there was enough of a an opportunity for people to be exposed to it, and then I guess they just were like not interested. Yeah, I mean, it, and and you say that like again. I hope this doesn't come off like overly tooting our horns, but fuck yeah, you. Like exactly. Like look. We know what the show is. Yeah. We know we didn't like spit out a book here. Yeah. We're not like some assholes improvising a theatrical play. We're not winning some podcast Pulitzer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, like, you want funniest person in Austin. You would think someone would be like, hey, what else has this guy done? Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I remember I had, for a while I'd have people intro me like he's the host of the Mascot Wedding Show. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, this will catch on. And then I remember when we announced we were wrapping it up, mm-hmm. uh, a very funny comedian and uh, who happens to live here in Austin, Mike McRae, was like, you guys do a podcast? He's like, well, <laughs> there you go. You're, you're leaving town. Yeah, yeah. You're making a fresh start. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's one of those things that's been hard to explain to people. Like, people think I have something on my sleeve. And to be honest, like, I don't, or at least not in the way that they think I do, where they're like, oh, you're going to San Francisco and you're going to, you know, start this show or write this thing. Or, and I'm like, no, I kind of just, I really do. I'm 35 years old. Uh, I've been doing comedy in this town in one form or another for nine years mm-hmm. and and it didn't really you know it hit a ceiling at a certain point yeah uh, and I was like, well, what else is there? Uh, so this is my opportunity to find that out and if I if I go out in the world and find out that my ceiling was Austin, hey man, I could come back you know I could I could do this thing again or do a thing again uh, but right now it is important to me at my at this time in my life to try, to just live in a vacuum and like, you know, have no uh, outside influences or or anything to to influence what I would think and just see what happens then. You know, it's interesting. Nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. You know, how long do we want these things to go on? Yeah. Like if the 
look at The Simpsons. The Simpsons is still going on. Does anyone hold that show up to any esteem now? No, I think it's just it's a thing that people watch as opposed to you know it it shaped lives. Yeah, I feel like it's cultural relevance is over, mm-hmm. and it's something where it's like you know these things aren't meant to last forever. Uh, we are in a sketch comedy group that is doing its final show in September, mm-hmm. and that's the thing where it's like look you know when when it was when we talked about wrapping it up this year, it was something where it's like yeah it wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. You know, it, it's gonna come time to end it. Let's end it when we still like each other. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. You don't want to be the last guy at the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'm I'm okay with with closing the books mm-hmm. on this thing. Oh, I had a thought, but I forgot it. What are you talking? About? Oh, I think you going to a new town is good. Mm-hmm. In that, I've had little moments in my life before where I've sort of definitely had like a sea change. Within like a two year period, two to three years. Yeah, your your Saturn return was pretty. You know, it was, yeah, it changed you. I oh, think. My what? Oh, have we not talked about a Saturn return? Saturn return? Okay, it's a it's a concept in here we go. It's oh, a con- I f- I f- this sounds very familiar. But yeah, go ahead and explain it for those of you at home. It's a concept in astrology and a yes, I know whatever. Uh, but when you're born, Saturn is in a very specific place in the universe, mm-hmm. and it takes about twenty seven to twenty nine years for it to return to that place. And during that period of its return, that marks a period of tumult in that person's life. So like, because uh, you're 27 to 29 years, I mean, that's when uh, you, you went back to school. You, you know. Yeah, before I went back to school, I quit my job. Uh, I had a girlfriend who I dated for seven years who just broke up mm-hmm. with me, which I was 100% cool with. <laughs> Sorry. I think you won that one. Yeah, I feel real good about it, yeah. honestly. You know, I don't think she listens, but it's a, it's a weird thing where it's like, no, that worked out well. Yeah. I wish... I wish we could have cut down those seven years to later years, but we weren't going to end up together. But but you needed that time to end up being who you are. You yeah, know? no, and I I definitely it's it's really, man one of the easiest kind of like mind traps to get into is to sit down and be like, what if I could relive high school, or I could relive my life starting you know when I was eighteen or twenty, whenever, mm-hmm. knowing what I had now, oh the mistakes I could avoid. A, you'd make all new mistakes. Oh, absolutely. B. Anything good in your life right now, you would not have it. Mm. It's the, I mean, it's, it's honestly like the biggest waste of time. It just makes you feel bad about your current. It's not good at all. Yeah. If you, if you can find a way to avoid it, uh, always keep a Game Boy in your pocket. <laughs> Second star being a bad play, those are Mario. Um, but then, but then, yeah. And then a couple years later, like, uh, I got laid off again and like this ended, that began. And, and it, it's interesting. But I remember when I went back to school. I remember looking around and like I was in orientation. Mm-hmm. I went to grad school, uh, folks. Show off. Yeah, I got a postgraduate degree. I got a master's degree, everybody. And look <laughs> where I am. Look at me now, Ma. Sitting across from me. Uh, but I remember looking at these other people who had like moved here from other cities and states mm-hmm. to attend school at the University of Texas. And I was like, man, all they care about right now is school. Mm-hmm. I have to leave this orientation to go practice for something because my Austin life is not put on hold. And while I don't regret it, I was I did allow myself to envy it mm-hmm. because fresh starts work better when they are different places. Sure. Because if you're doing the same behaviors, if you're doing the same things, if you have the same friends, like it's hard to make a fresh start without actually, you know, like sort of half assing one. Yeah. So if you've reached a point where you're like, you know what, I need to do something different mm. and whatever that is, it's scary to move. Yeah. Uh, 
but you know you are doing it, and uh, I wish you the best of luck, sir. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. One of the things I liked about this show was that it gave me a chance to check in with you mm-hmm. for an hour every week, and it's it's something where it's like you know which one of your friends. I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing because I think you're. I'll talk to people while I do stuff, but mm. it, I've, you're the only friend who was like, let me sit down and talk to David yeah, for an hour. And the thing is, is like, even when it's, it's funny because we had, even when we had stress about other projects going mm. on, in a way it was always like the mascot wedding show was a nice freeing thing. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, cause like even, you know, our, our paths, uh, Diverge and and for the best. I mean, you you know you're you're a stand-up now. Like you travel and you do you do shows and stuff mm. like that. You know, and we you know we would do stag or we would do stuff like that, and we would get stressed out. Yeah, but it was always nice to just take a time out on on everything else and check in with each other. Yeah, and it's something where again because of the nature of the show, where you know the show didn't have to be perfect. It just had to be sixty minutes. Yeah, like you know <laughs> that thing where it's like we didn't do. It's like when they say uh, about SNL, mm. like you don't do the show because it's ready because it's 1030. When we were on the radio show, we did the show because it was 6 p.m. on a Saturday yeah. night. Uh, but even when we would find time to do it here at the Hodgecast Studios, uh, it definitely felt, you know, it was always like a nice time. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a respite from everything. And, yeah. and, you know, once we did it as a podcast, you know, there was, uh, there was the drawback of it taking a backseat to everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was also the positive of when we did it, it's because we wanted to do it. Yeah. And we put forth our best. Like, I don't think we ever, like, in the past couple of years, I don't feel like we've mailed in a show. Let me see. What other sort of, like, oh, I feel like this is the last show. Should we draw, drop a bomb or something? I don't know. Well, we never, I never did the show high or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, and I, I yeah. yeah. Um, I, don't, I mean, I guess... Like as far as the audience goes, you know, this is going to be their last exposure to us in this iteration. What's next for Mac Blake? Mac Blake is getting married in October, and that is a, a very big deal. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I met him in Estrada uh, in the same job that I met you, David, mm-hmm. and I had a crush on her for a very long time, which all my friends knew and would tease me about it was the worst kept secret in america mercifully it wasn't a secret i just didn't want to talk about it yeah sure which when other people would bring it up i'd be like stop please because she was definitely dating somebody else Mm -hmm. and i don't want to like do that of course talk about hey blah 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 but uh but hey mac yeah you fucking won uh, it worked out (laughs) it it worked out and i I couldn't be more excited about that Mm. uh yeah and and it's funny too because we would like a bunch of us would be in stag meetings and you could tell like him and i were like mad at each other or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember as soon as we started dating, those things became a world easier. Yes. And it was like a flip of a switch. Yeah. We started dating and my uh, life got awesome. Oh, and it, it got awesome for everyone around you because, yeah, it was just this. It's like if, you know, the sort of will there, won't they of like a cheers or a moonlighting, if that just went into perpetuity and you're like, all right, this show's not going to resolve itself. Yeah, but instead of the will they, won't they, being like, a, oh, will Sam and Diane finally fuck? It was more like, <laughs> why won't these two people stop being making everything so awkward around Ag- everyone? Why won't they acknowledge basic, obvious feelings for each other? Yeah, but instead of, but for some reason, because we weren't uh, acknowledging, or it, it just uh, manifested as like a weird anger. Oh, it was exponentially yeah. worse because <laughs> of it. So yeah, weird. <laughs> uh, the show never really had like its own enemy or anything like that. We never gotten like feuds really yeah i mean there was a couple people that there's a couple djs that co-opted with 
uh, t- tweet at us during the show that they hated the music we were playing. <laughs> and they were saying it was fucking awful, which we would never do to somebody else's show. Of course not. So those people can... But to be fair, off. I would never listen to their garbage show, so go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Oh my God, there's one show that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, there was a show, and I this I'm going to sound insensitive, but you know, fine, I guess. But it's called the Andean Hour, and they would Andean like the Andes Mountains. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so they would play music from the indigenous tribes of those reasons, mm-hmm. and it was just like Native American chanting, mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't know if this is enough to qualify for a radio show. I mean, I'm not saying that that is invalid, but this is like a. It's pretty impenetrable. Yeah. I feel like it, it in terms of having mass appeal. Who was it for? You know, and there was one where she was like, hey, it's uh, Halloween. Let's play a little something for the kids. This song is called Scooby-Doo. And she played it, and it literally was just somebody, like, chanting. And like, there's no way to do this without sounding racist. But it was something like, you know, hey, oh, something like that. Right. Yeah. A, a chant. I, yeah. And uh, again, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just trying to honestly replicate it. And then at the end, somebody goes, Scooby-Doo into a microphone and you're like what the fuck <laughs> is this you know Patton Oswalt has that bit like it was like oh the scream singing of the Andui tribe rightfully died out <laughs> and I was like yeah that's kind of what that show was yeah but two trust fund kids brought it back and that's sort of what a lot of that station was she was an older classy lady oh okay I, I gotta I gotta give her that well, good for her yeah yeah, yeah. where's that gonna get you yeah I, uh, I want to check in with you how's your pulse about the, the end of stag oh it, uh, it feels feels good it's mm-hmm. nice to it's honestly nice to wrap because I, I definitely going through a little bit of a, a change here myself i'm mm-hmm. getting i'm not leaving town but like uh i'm getting married and that will probably certain things will start mm-hmm. uh with that and then also you know wrapping up stag and, and ending mascot wedding it just kind of feels right mm-hmm. uh because in a way with stag comedy stag, doing sketch comedy is so much fucking work because it's the hassle of meeting with nine other people. It's like the worst parts of improv and stand-up. Yeah. Because improv is like, yeah, it's a group of people, but you don't got to prepare. You can just fucking get up and do a show. I mean, you rehearse at your own, you rehearse to your own comfort level. Yeah, if you can't make it, then we're not going to miss an integral part of this thing. We'll just do a show anyway because it's all improvised. Yeah, and with stand-up, you're sure you got to write everything, but Mm. you can just go your own boss. But Mm. with sketch, it's like, you have to write, and you have to practice, and you have to coordinate everyone's schedule. Yeah, with a basketball team of people. And honestly, every second I put towards Stag was time I was taking away from stand-up. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember there was a show we did, and I literally turned down thousands of dollars oh. in other gigs to do it. Shit. Now, some of the, I, now here's the thing. It wasn't like, uh, I couldn't have said yes to them all. It was like, hey, do you want to do this thing? It'll pay you 2000 bucks. I'm like, I can't. Hey, you want to do this thing? It'll pay you a thousand bucks for those same dates we just asked. Like, I can't. Like, so it was. It wasn't something where, like, cumulatively, you couldn't have. Yeah. You know, if if I had said yes to everything, I still would have only made you know whatever eight hundred bucks. Right. But like, because I got asked for that like five times, <laughs> it, it, it added up. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. So I'm I'm okay with with stagnating. I still am going to do some video projects. Yeah. And I'll probably put them under the stag banner. Mm. But, but then again, I'm, part of me is like, well, why don't you just put them on your own banner? It's like, well, he, he, none of them have a big following, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Sure. Um, but I mean, I, honestly, like, everyone who's in Stag right now is going to be a groomsman at my wedding, mm-hmm. which is something where I thought about that the other day, and I was like, oh, shit, these are my best friends. Yeah. Like, it's something where it's like, oh, no wonder I kept doing this show. Because <laughs> that was a lot of work, but we kept doing it for uh, a long time, and I think it was because I like doing stuff with people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. It's hard not to feel like ending us on a bit of a down note. 
Oh, I mean, I, I'm okay with it. I mean, I think it was, or at least for me coming in here, I knew it was going to end on a bit of a down note anyway, just because it was ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the the worst interview is a bit of a, it's a twist. It's just kind of like. Oh, it was such a high and a dizzying <laughs> low. <laughs> but uh, I mean, hey, man, that's that's what this is. That's what this is going to be. One of the biggest supporters in terms of us becoming a podcast was uh, Mr. Charlie Hodge. We are looking for a place to record, and a couple different people offered a studio space. Charlie was the only one who didn't want anything out of it, really. Mm-hmm. He honestly was just like, hey, uh, you know, I have some space. I just want to share what I'm doing. And this uh, studio is in the back of his house. So his sometimes his family looked outside, and there was two or three creepy guys. Yeah. In fact, one time, uh, Chris Tellis showed up with like eight guys <laughs> to do a podcast, <laughs> and uh, he had his own little entourage. Yeah. And they were like, oh, why are there suddenly five people in our backyard <laughs> or whatever? But I mean, he, you know, he basically welcomed us into his home, and we're super thankful for that. Tastypodcast.com mm-hmm. is the address. And I think they just added a new podcast recently, uh, of which I don't remember, but I mean, uh, uh, check it out. Yeah. There's some podcasts on there, and uh, he does uh, a lot of good things around town, especially if you like vaping. Because <laughs> <laughs> he does. He is, does work with a, a vape store, right? Yeah, I, sh- I think so. All about vapor. I'm yeah. Giving you a free plug. <laughs> there you go, guys. I hope it's not secretly revealed that vapor kills you. Oh, well, give it five years. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, but no, in all seriousness, uh, thank you so much, Charlie, mm-hmm. for letting us do the show here. Uh, you have been an uh, Ubermensch, and we uh, uh, supremely appreciate it. Yeah. Is there anybody you wish to thank? Um, gosh, I mean, uh, just a blanket thank you to anyone who has listened. I mean, uh, going back to. Uh, the live episode we recorded, we we did get to meet uh, Hung, um, you know, not to single him out. Yeah. But, you know, I had, we'd been doing the show for so long and, and he finally got a chance to meet us. And that was a that was awesome. Uh, and I and I know, you know, people have listened over the years and have mentioned it. And they're like, oh, I really like this episode. I really like this thing. And that's always such a good feeling. Uh, so, I mean, I want to thank them. Yeah. Travis. Uh, Kay, we'll say, is mm-hmm. another guy in uh, recent years who has been a fan of the show. Mm hmm. And uh, we appreciate that, Travis. Thank you for listening. Mirror Travel, who contributed the song to the mm. show. It's funny, with only 10 episodes or 8 episodes left to debut a new theme song. <laughs> but we did it. We did it. We're dumb. But... Um, no, I mean, my only real thanks, uh, and not to get too maudlin about it, is for you. I mean, you... Well, you, I feel the same way. You didn't have to do this show, but we we did it. And, you know, one does not... One is not fortunate enough to meet a Mac Blake in their lifetime. And I'm glad I did. And I'm, and I'm glad I got to make the most of our time together. No, I, I feel the same way, uh, David. I honestly don't know where I'd be uh, without you in terms of my mm. creative aspects. I mean, you look at my stand-up album, so many of the things that <laughs> after five years of stand-up, you look at the things that I was like, these are what I'm doing mm. right now. So many of that stuff started with jokes that you and I would do back and forth. Yeah, One of my favorite lines on the album is your line <laughs> from Whataburger. <laughs> right. Sack up and order real burger, pussy tickle. That's <laughs> David Hada told me to say that yeah. on stage. Oh, my goodness. All he right. Say this on stage, and I did. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate it. But, I mean, honestly, like, uh, having you as a trusted collaborator has been uh, great. Honestly, like, you're seriously one of the funniest guys on the planet. Thank and, you. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's been a real now – I'm, now I'm getting weird. Uh, it's been a real joy doing the show with you. And it's nice because, you know, it's funny, like, you do other stuff around town. You know, you you host the Hustle Show. 
and you would do projects with different people. You know, you go off and do Master Pancake. And I don't, not that I was like covetous of mm. any way or anything like that, but it felt good to know that like I had a thing that it was just me and David. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you have been my only comedy partner, and that's mm. a relationship that that transcends regular friendship because it's a it's a collaborative thing, and you have to be syncopated with each other. Yeah. And I'll never have that with anybody else, and that's that's ours, and that's awesome. You and I disagree about so much, <laughs> and yet we could. I feel like I could talk to you forever about a lot of things. Uh, well, David. This yes. looks like our final show here. Uh, again, thank you so much for going on 300 GD episodes. For a weekly show, it's pretty good. But I'm uh, insanely proud to have done 300 episodes, especially with you. Uh, thank you very much. Likewise. And now uh, I think uh, this is Charlie Hodge. Uh, is gonna get, yeah, come here, Charlie. Yeah, come say, on in. Yeah, just come sit, here. Sit down. Let's say, uh, say goodbye real quick. The owner of the Hodge Pound. Yeah, we're wrapping this up. Yeah, we are. So the uh, phone didn't work. Something happened. It, it worked for a while. We, okay. we got about 20 minutes of an interview, but then oh, good, good. It, it worked until it didn't, basically. So uh, you didn't you weren't too embarrassed in front of your, your idol? No, he was really nice. We called him back afterwards, yeah. and we, uh, we were like, hey, sorry, but thank you. Yeah. He was nice. But Charlie, we just wanted to thank you on air for letting us use the studio. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad uh, you guys, all these you know, months. you find a, uh, you know, you find reasons to keep coming together and podcast. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. <laughs> yeah. Look, church, family, friends, they're garbage, all right? Yeah. They're, Who needs them? They're like, you know those sucker fish that are on sharks? Yeah. Yeah, they're those things. Just cleaning up our garbage. What yeah. am I talking you're about? You're a parasite. Now? Yeah, exactly. The podcasting, man, that's what's the lifeblood. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The that's action what is the juice. That's right. That's why George Washington, back in the day, he said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is the juice. Yeah, he yeah. did say that. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> check, your, uh, check your drunk history, Charlie. He said that. I will. You know that uh, he didn't have wooden teeth. What? That's true. That was just made up. He made up. They made up a lot of bullshit about that guy. That cherry tree thing never happened. Yeah. Which is crazy because the whole thing about it was like, I cannot tell a lie. So but other people lied for him. But that whole story is a lie. It's yeah. all lies. Oh, the Illuminati. You think he's like Kaiser Soze? George Washington? Yeah. You think he made all this shit up? Uh huh. <laughs> he probably was sitting in a room with some wood, and he goes, "My teeth are made out of wood." <laughs> Look yeah, out the window. That's the ticket. I chopped a cherry tree. Yeah. yeah. I will say, Family Guy, as dumb as that show is, that thing where he's trying Peter to Griffin. Yeah. God <laughs> damn it! I still think about that. <laughs> you know what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good on you, Family yeah. Guy. The Griffin walks by. <laughs> uh, we should wrap this up. Yeah, we should wrap it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Are we, we don't have anything else, do we? And I mean, mascotwinning.com, uh, that, all the archives are going to be there. I mean, you can still subscribe to us on iTunes and catch up. Uh, and I guess we'll just see you when we see you. Yes. David, how should we leave our final mascot winning show? Let's just get in a car and drive. Okay. Oh, man. What would you think about that show? I thought, you know. It, it, are you all in the car now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Char- Charlie, are you Charlie, in the car, you're in the car oh. too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I got in here before you guys... Even decided to get in the car together. I was gonna like rob you, but oh. Wait, well, do, you, do you still want to rob us? No, no. The camaraderie took me over. Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear you. It's well, good, it's well good cool. Let's uh, what, what's that sound? Yeah. Well, here, David, uh, apply the brakes, please. Oh, okay. David, please apply the brakes. I, I, they're not working, Mac. David, we're headed right towards the never-ending gulch. No, not the gulch. Yep. David, try to jump out of the car. The door's opening. No, they're not opening. Oh my God, we're going over the gulch. Ah! David, how come we haven't hit the bottom yet? It's it's a never-ending gulf, stupid. Uh, okay. No, this comes out. It comes out. You'll, we'll be fine. We're oh. right over there by 15th Street. Okay. How oh. long does that take? Oh, you'll you'll find out. Okay. All right. Now oh. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.
Tasty Podcast Network at tastypodcast.com.